the Water and Stone podcast. This is episode number 76, and I am Jenny Randolph. And I am Dieter Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice. And as we gather around, <laughs> I want to talk about what an awesome last weekend we had. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah, and I got to say, it's not the kind of thing that, that we normally do. We uh, Somebody from the church got us tickets to go see a concert, and uh, we went and saw a band from the 80s, a band that was kind of edgy and punk rocky and you know so one of those things that our parents would not have understood right and uh, it, it really was like oh my goodness it was the music of our youth yeah and the music <laughs> of, of yesteryear anger and rebellion and all that <laughs> the band was the violent femmes and they opened for echo and the bunny man and echo and the bunny man are great too but i'm a big violent femmes fan right. and so that was really where my my heart was but there were so many things about that that were just really special well let me start off by saying yeah, yeah. that it was one of those moments where you look around and you're like, wow, I'm surrounded by all of these old people. And then, and you, then you and then you realize, oh my goodness, I am also one of these old people. Yeah. And and I have to say, we were on the younger side of that because I think that you and I grew up pretty fast and we were <laughs> exposed to other things. So sure. I do think that most people Whatever were probably... Whatever you need to tell yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. Now listen. No, listen. no. You're, no you I let do me agree. believe this. You I, let I me believe it. I actually do agree, darling. You know? Um, um, yeah, no, it... They I, were they were probably seven to eight years older, maybe even ten years older. There was older no than mosh us. pit at this concert. It was really no. more of a hug, but right. sort it of was... a group leaning. But I have to say that there were so many things about it that I just absolutely loved. I we you and I found a space up high. There was sort of a balcony. We were up high and and we could sort of see down on the stage, which was so much fun. And it really a... was because if if most of you know, our both of our kids are musicians. Mm -hmm. um, they're both music teachers. They both record and produce and they do amazing thing and they live in the music world right. so as you can imagine we're exposed to a lot of the technical side of it and watching it and and I grew up being musical too I played a lot of instruments you know in in my day and <laughs> um so it was really neat the spot that we got we got to see the technical side of it which right. I really enjoyed yeah it was really cool I love that part of it and it was also really fun being able to look down on just this mob of people. Mm -hmm. And I got to thinking about how beautiful it is that going to a concert's a lot of trouble. You know what I mean? It you is. gotta fight the crowds and it's not cheap. And you and I waited in line and spent a good bit of money to get buy t shirts that we had autographed by the Violent Femmes. There's a great picture of you on your Instagram feed. Yeah, that but, was I mean, fun. In so many ways, if you just look at the data, going to a concert does you absolutely no good. You know exactly. what I mean? It doesn't make you any money. It's not, if you were a machine, that would be a glitch, as I always say. And so there's something really beautiful about that number of people who are going to participate in an artistic experience, a heart experience. It really speaks to where truth is. You know, and I thought there was something really beautiful about everybody being part of something bigger than themselves that you can't explain with something that fits between their ears. And so that, that really spoke to me. And I also have to say that when we talked about this church a long time ago, when you and I were kids together, and we talked about what we would do differently and how it might work, and I would dream about someday getting to do these things, one of the things I came back to, I found an old journal from more than 10 years ago, and I wrote in it, what would a punk rock church be like? And I didn't mean that people are going to put safety pins through their ears, and I didn't mean, you know, nobody would have a mohawk necessarily, but what I did mean is, the thing about punk rock, and I think the Violent Femmes in particular, was there's this band where, you know, there are certainly more talented musicians. You think of punk rock, you don't necessarily think of virtuosity. 
No, no, no. But, but that's not why you go. That's no. not why you listen. But emotion can get carry through. And so the lesson that I took away back then that I was trying to find the answer to in my little journals was, is it okay if it's rough around the edges, if it's honest, if it's pure, if it makes more room for the emotion to come through? Sometimes when something's streamlined, there's no room for truth anymore because all of the rough edges have been filed away. And so... Well, I think you yeah. lose the real. Yeah. You lose that sense of... I'm just like you. I'm right down in, you know, I'm right down. I'm learning alongside you. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So I thought it was really special in a lot of ways. It just, it took me back and forward and brought me right to the moment I needed to be in. So it just was a really positive experience all the way around. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with you. It was it was really good, and we found a really great restaurant that we ate at beforehand. Mm -hmm. So we my, always find a really we, great restaurant. Well, it's us, right? Stick it's with like... us. You're going to find food and coffee and something probably to snicker at a little bit. Right. Um, and actually, uh, the while we were away at the uh, at the concert, we were at the coffee shop that I mentioned during the course of the talk, where there was an interesting gentleman with one shoe. Yeah, but I'm yeah. Getting, you'll you'll hear about that when you listen to the lesson. Yeah, it's amazing. But but thanks for a really nice kind of a getaway weekend yeah. um, excursion. I I needed it, and I needed a to be among people that were cheering on and, and united, even if it was just for a silly thing. And I loved being with you to experience that. So, yeah. so thanks. Thank you. And now we'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for July 22nd, 2018. The title of the lesson is Go Do Good, and it is the fourth and final in our Water and Stone series. So our scripture today, James 2.14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Now that was appropriate to the people that were being talked to then, but partly because the people being talked to are the people now too. It gets to the place of, what are you doing about it? As I said a couple of weeks ago, I think that our faith, our spirituality, our religion, our life has got to pass the who cares test, the so what test. What are you doing about it? I mean, it's one thing to say that you love somebody. It's even nice if you have that feeling in your heart. That's beautiful. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? And in fact, I might say that if you really have that feeling in your heart, you will engage, you will do a thing about it. It's one thing to talk about God. It's one thing to say, well, we're all part of the same thing and isn't that beautiful, but what are you doing about it? In the past weeks, we've talked about the idea that thinking a thing, fitting something between your ears is great, but it's not the same thing as knowing. Remember we talked about that? You can think that everybody's a child of God, but if what you know in your heart is some people are weird, hmm, which one actually affects the way that you live your life? So today we're going to take it to the next level. It's not just thinking, and it's not even just knowing. It's what are you going to do about it? Faith without works isn't even really faith. The thing that want us to work on together, the thing that I think might be novel in this day and age, is the concept, are you ready? That it works when you work it. That's a phrase you may have heard before, but it bears repetition. It works when you work it. 
There are so many people waiting for the thing to happen, for the ship to come in, for Tarzan to swing down, for the handsome prince or princess, for the winning lottery ticket, for the, oh, the weight of the waiting is oppressive, you know? People waiting for the thing to happen. And it turns out if you want the thing to happen, you've got to be part of the thing happening. The Bible says we work out our own salvation, right? You work the thing. Instead of waiting for the miracle to happen to me, because wait a minute, I'm not the destination of all the good in the universe. If I want the miracle to happen, I've got to be a channel for the miracle to happen. I've got to be a part of the miracle happening in my life. And so, if you find yourself waiting for the bus of good things in your life, waiting for life to happen, waiting for good, maybe it's time to go, how can I be a part of this? How can I overcome that inertia? How can I be, maybe not the whole answer, but a part of, instead of waiting for the answer, how can I be the answer? As it turns out, that's what faith looks like. Faith looks like action. Did you know that? Not everybody does. For a lot of people, faith is a thing that is the opposite of action. For a lot of people, you've seen them on TV or whatever. Well, we ran out of options. We just had to have faith. In other words, we sat completely still. There are so many people who pray for the faith that will allow them to endure a terrible life. God, please grant me the faith to not change a darn thing about anything. God, please grant me the faith to not change anything about myself. God, please grant me the faith to continue in my dysfunctional blah. You know, how many times do people feel like faith is the power that holds you still, that gives you the power to endure? For some people, faith is like some kind of weird anesthetic. Ooh. I'm here to tell you guys, that's not faith. Something else, I don't know what. Laziness? Low self-esteem? I don't know, but that's not how God sees you. We talked about this in the God is good, you are good part. We talked about the idea that God's not interested in you putting up with misery. You are here to change the world. There are no accidents, right? And so faith is not the power that gives you the endurance to not change a thing. Faith is the change itself in action. Faith is the change itself in action. Faith is not the power that holds still. Faith is the power that, that you have when you jump out of the airplane with that parachute. Faith is the power when you cross the room and ask for that person's phone number. Faith is the thing when you ask for the raise. Speak out against injustice. Say the thing. Do the thing. That's what faith looks like. Faith is not the power that holds still. Come on. We've got to be tougher than that if we're going to make a difference in the world. Faith is the power that moves. And that's really important because if you believe that the world is no good, ugh, and you believe you're supposed to just put up with, that there's nothing good about you, there's nothing good about life, but there's something good out there, some kind of medication that you can get that will enable you to deal with the no goodness, well, all your power is somewhere else. All your power to make a difference is somewhere else. How many people have said, I got to go to church to get me more faith. I got to read this book to get me more faith. I got to go to this special place, this pilgrimage to get more faith. Maybe they don't use those words anymore. Sometimes people change the nouns. And instead of faith, they say, I got to go to this place where there's good energy. What, Florida power? What are you talking about? 
I got to go to this place where everybody's nice. Well, I understand wanting to be around nice people, but they don't need your help. Exactly. It's not about going to a place, because when you really think about it, if we just change the nouns around, how is that any different than somebody looking for a fix? Power is somewhere else, not in me. That enables me to do nothing. It disempowers what I want to do. And there's all kinds of ways in this culture to hold still, stay distracted, stay medicated, not make a difference. But what good is it doing? Here's the thing. I'm going to go out on a limb here. You ready? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Jesus was pro-engagement. Crazy, right? Jesus was pro-engagement. I mean, think about all of the things that you know about what he did. Have you ever run away? Think about what you know about what he did. Think about what you know about what he said. Jesus was pro-engagement. Go and do a thing is what he always said in one way or another, right? And the things that he said about the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. In other words, not somewhere else, but what are you going to do about it right now? The gospel of Jesus Christ is kind of the gospel of, what are you going to do about it? Which I love, you know, over and over again. The idea of God as our Father. The idea of go and do a thing, go and sin no more, go and do a thing, go and engage. The idea of, Father, I thank you that you hear me always, like at Lazarus's tomb. Remember we talked about that? Over and over again, here's the message. God is not something you got to go, go and get. Faith is not something you got to go and get. Good is not something you got to go and get. It's something you have to be if it's going to happen in your world. Think about that with me. That changes a lot of things. If, as every Sunday school kid knows, God is everywhere, what are you going to do about it? I mean, think about it. If God is everywhere, or else it wouldn't be God, right? If there's some boundaries, some fences around God, then it ain't God anymore we're talking about. It's something else, good intentions. If it's God, it is everywhere. And more than that, if there's no time and space in God, then what that means, you ready? The isness and the allness, the totality of God is present right here. That's a lot, right? But it wouldn't be God otherwise. Hmm, that feels pretty good. I like the, the sentiment there, but let's think about what that really means. If God is everywhere, what that means is, it's okay, hang on to me here for a second. We're going to go down and come up again. <laughs> Here's the thing. If the allness and the isness of God is present right here, then that means that there will never be any more good than there is right now. There will never be any more love than there is right now. There will never be any more faith, any more answers, any more prosperity than there is right now. Here's the thing. This is not an acquisition problem. This is an action problem. The trick is not to go get God. The trick is to know that the good is happening not anywhere else but right here. The trick is to know it and to do something about it. That's the thing. To know it and to do something about it. Because what you do about it, more than what you think, more than what you feel. What you do about it absolutely determines the kind of life you have. What does life look like when people act from a place of emptiness? Think about it. What does it look like when you believe that 
my pocket's empty, my heart's empty, my life is empty, my future's empty, my home is empty, my empty is empty. <laughs> what, do you, what does life look like when you act from a place of emptiness? Do you act in ways that make things better for anyone? Or do you act in ways that create more emptiness, more isolation, more aloneness? When you act in terms of being disempowered, you don't ever get empowered. Every moment is a prayer, right? Every moment you are saying to God, here's what I want to have more of. Here's what I want to experience. And so if you act from a place of emptiness, the universe will give you more emptiness. Ding! And we've all experienced that, unfortunately. Yesterday, I was in traffic, driving on I-4. I know, I'm a man of faith. I was driving on I-4. Jenny and I were coming back from Orlando, and we saw the big digital signs, because there are signs everywhere, aren't there? We saw the big digital signs, and it said, congestion ahead. Now, we don't believe in accidents, but the sign did. It said so. There was an accident. Okay, so we know what's happening. We know what's going to happen. And humming along, humming along, humming along, and pretty soon things start to slow down, and things start to slow down, and pretty soon we are in a parking lot called I-4. We've all been in that situation. It's just part of the deal, right? But when we act from a place of okayness, when we act from a place of, you know what, it's going to be okay. God's here. It's going to be all right. When we act from a place, in other words, of we're all in this together, maybe the proper sentiment is, gosh, I hope everybody's okay. Or even, gosh, I wonder if there's something I can do to help. And okay, I'm not a paramedic. I'm not up there. But maybe I can do my part by just staying in my lane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Driving is a metaphor for life sometimes. Sometimes how you drive is a, is a great indicator of how you live. Sometimes me going... Acting from a place of, of everybody being okay is just a matter of I'm going to do the healthy thing for everyone because we're all in this together. But you and I both know that not everybody thinks that way and you and I darn well know that not everybody drives that way. If you live from a place of I got to get mine because there's not enough. I got to get to my thing. Never mind about the guy whose car is on fire. I got to do my thing. And so you see that people change lanes and I'm going to decide to invent my own lane and I'm going to do this thing. How many times have you seen accidents caused because there was an accident? You see, when we live from a place of emptiness, we decide that we've got to get ours and we create more emptiness. How you drive is how you live. And if you drive that way and if you live that way, you will be no stranger to your friends at State Farm. You know what I mean? Life is like that. But we have a choice. We can choose to change our mind. What happens when we live from a place of plenty? Imagine yourself in an infinite place. Because you are. Imagine yourself in an infinite place. What would it look like if I told you that for sure, no question, no doubt, for absolute certain, in seven days, you could go cash out a winning lottery ticket? There's some reason why you need seven days to do it. Just play with me here. There's, maybe the office is closed. I don't know. But you knew for sure that this piece of paper would turn into untold fortunes. Well, how would you live? I mean, really, what would you do? If you knew for sure, no doubt, would you take the class, put yourself out there, sign the thing, do the thing, jump out of the plane, tell the people how you really feel, either quit the job or work the job with honor instead of with anger? 
if you knew for sure that you were part of plenty, out picturing in your life, how would you act? You would act with boldness. You would act with courage. You would act in faith. And the beautiful thing is, if you just pretend, you start to do the things that will make you successful anyway. If you just step out on faith and take the class, do the thing, sign up for it, speak up, you act as if you were part of plenty, plenty has room to happen in your life. And this applies to everything. It applies to financial success. It applies to love. Everybody knows that when you're alone, it's hard to meet people, but once you're in a relationship, people are giving you their phone number, right? This is it. Them that's got shall have. This is part of what that means. This is part of what happens when you act in faith, you experience faith, you live in faith. So again, what are you going to do about it? After Jesus was off the scene, the apostles were trying their best to figure it out, to make it happen, to change the world, to carry out the mission that they've been given. Man, what a job. And they got in trouble a lot, right? You know the stories. They got in trouble a lot, got thrown in jail a lot. They got threatened a lot. They got beat up a lot. There's this one part where they pray together. And I'll paraphrase a little bit, but the idea is, guys, we're in trouble again. (laughs) They're going to kill us if we don't shut up. And maybe we've not been there exactly, but everybody has those feelings when you've got a fire burning in your heart and you don't know what to do with it. And yet, uh, I don't know what people will say. We've been to that spot. Well, if you know your Bible, you know what the apostles pray for. They don't pray for the bad guys to not be so bad. God, can you please brainwash the people I don't like? Now, I think a lot of people have prayed that prayer. I've prayed that prayer. Never works. Turns out those people are there for a reason. They didn't pray for escape. God, can you please give me uh, plane tickets to Tahiti? They didn't pray for any of those things. They prayed for courage. They prayed for boldness. In other words, God, I know that I'm here to do a thing. I don't want you to take that thing away from me. I want to do it. May I have the courage to do what ought to be done by me. They pray for boldness. Let our prayer not be to avoid it, but to face it with courage, to face it knowing who we are. There is something that we are getting ready to do. And here's the thing I want you to know. You ready? This is the big deal. Here's the thing. What you have done before, you can do again. What you have done before, you, have, you can do again. You, you, you've gotten a job before, you can get a job again. You've fallen in love before, you can fall in love again. You have gotten better before, you can get better again. The doctors were wrong about you before, they can be wrong about you again. Whatever you have done before, you can do again. And in fact, it's probably going to be easier this time because now you know how to do it. What you have done before, you can do again, I promise. Okay, let's take it to the next level. What anybody has done, you can do. What anybody has done, you can do. Think about it. People have done things proving that it can be done. Think about your heroes who operate from a place of maybe no more money, no more experience, no more education than you with the same heart and the same mind that you have. Jesus said, the works I do, you shall do also in greater works than these. So what are you waiting for? What has been done can be done. What you have done before, what other people have done before. Okay. 
Step three, what nobody has done, you can do. Think about it. What nobody has done before, you can do. The four-minute mile, climbing Mount Everest without oxygen, the Marianas Trench. How about just falling in love or ending slavery? What nobody has done before, you can do. It's kind of why we're here. Kind of our job description. So, what you have done, what anybody has done, what nobody has done, guess what, guys? We covered the whole thing. There's nothing left. It can be done, and it ought to be done, and it can be done by you today. There are people in this room who know exactly what they ought to be doing. They know exactly what they need. They know exactly who to talk to. They just didn't know they had permission. Well, guess what, guys? Here's your sign. Let's get it going. There is brilliance and genius in boldness. Take that step with me. There are also other people in this room, or maybe the same person on a different day, who like the sound of all of this, but they go, you know, I don't, I don't know what I want. I don't feel that calling. I don't have a sense of it. All I know is that this thing called life doesn't work for me. I know i got to do something different, but I don't know what. I am so buried under the have-tos that I don't know what want-to even looks like. That's a lot of people. I get that. So what I say to those people is just do what you're doing, but do it with courage. Do what you're doing, but do it with honor. Do what you're doing, but do it with heart. Can I tell you how many times there is a story in the ancient myths that people tell all over the world where somebody is doing the thing that they do, but they do it with courage and they get taken to a new place. Over and over again, there's a myth of, let's say, the hunter who's just doing what they do, but they follow the stag into a new place. And all of a sudden, the stag becomes the prince of the forest or whatever, and they get their wishes granted. It happens all the time. Let me give you a story you do know, Cinderella. She's not trying to get away, is she? You know the story. You've seen the film. She's not even trying to poison her stepsisters, which is what I would have done. <laughs> she does her job, but she does it with honor. She does her job, but she does it with love. She does her job, but she does it singing. <laughs> Can you do that without HR being involved? She does her job, but she does it unaffected because there's something in her that is stronger than anything outside of her. So it's okay if you don't know how it's going to go. Do what you do where you are because God puts you there, but do it with the courage that comes from knowing you are a child of that awesomeness. Do what you do and do it with love, and you will be taken to a new place. Do what you do, but do it with love, and you'll be taken to a place that changes you. Focus in. And I recognize that that's different. We live in a culture that teaches what I call wide and shallow. People are taught wide and shallow, right? We're taught that multitasking, for example, is really important. Can you do a lot of things poorly? Then you're hired. I don't say it that way, but that's what they mean. Do you, do you really love a thing? Are you really interested? What, what really lights your fire? What books are you reading? Oh, I don't know, but I watch this show and I'm not really into it, but it tells me when to laugh and then I go to bed. How many people? We are taught wide and shallow because people don't want to miss anything. But it turns out with wide and shallow, you miss everything because you can't fall in love with wide and shallow. You can't corner the market with wide and shallow. You can't write the great American novel with wide and shallow. All you get is tired and weird. The other day, Jenny and I were sitting in a coffee shop and I was sitting on kind of a bench sort of a thing. Remember this? You know what I'm going to talk about, right? 
And there was a guy, like I'm here, there's a guy here, very close. He had a little table, and he was on a tablet, and he was on his phone. And he was switching apps and screens and doing stuff. And he had one headphone in, and I thought that was weird. I mean, come on, commit. And he was doing that stuff. And I was talking to my beautiful wife, and, and we had a lull in the conversation, and this guy began to just be a presence in my life. And I just felt him, and I was aware of him. And I saw out of the corner of my eye and the screens moving around and stuff happening. I thought, this is no way to live. Bless his heart. What is going on? There's something that has to happen here, and I don't know what it is. The guy seems so off kilter. And God is awesome because God spoke to me through this man. The man made sort of a groan sound like, I'm uncomfortable. And the man took off not two, but one shoe. Just one. Like, that's not weird. And put it right next to me. The shoe said New Balance. <laughs> I thought, okay, God, I get it. What's called upon is a new balance. It's time to find different answers. That's no way to live. Wide and shallow is no way to live. If you want to get to it, whatever it is, if you want to remember that God is here, if you want to get over it, find your answer. Find something that is narrow and deep. Find something that you can really focus on. Find something that you can break through. It doesn't matter what it is, but find something that you can give your heart to. It doesn't matter what it is. If you want to wake up in life, find something that matters. Oh, that's scary. Because if I go deep on something, it means I go to a place that is unknown. That's why people don't do it. But I'm telling you, the unknown is where God lives. This isn't about you anymore. This is about getting out of the way, getting to a place where you don't know what's going to happen. And this is a big deal. I mean, think about how many people, their wish, the winning lottery wish or the rub the genie's lamp wish, their wish is, I get to do it my way and nobody can tell me. More me, that's what I wish for. When you really think about it, that's the lottery wish for a lot of people. More me. No. <laughs> we don't need any more of that. you got plenty. That's why you're in the trouble you're in not more you because here's the beautiful thing you're awesome we're all awesome God does good work but what do you know the aim of life the game of life is to get to a place where it's not you and your answers to get to a place where God has room to be God the idea is not more you the idea is to get out of the way and do something about this unknown place the wild place in your heart People talk about being intentional, and I like the word. It's a great word. The word doesn't do any harm. The kind of person who uses a word like intentional probably has a very comfortable pair of sandals. The word is, is you know, you're, I'm right. You know it's one of those things. But you know what? Uh, intentions aren't that important to me anymore. I intended to take out the garbage. I forgot. Now the dog's eaten everything. I intended to buy flowers, and I forgot, and Mother's Day was a disaster. I intended to do whatever it was. Who cares? You ever been to Valdosta, Georgia? The road there is paved with good intentions. <laughs> Doesn't matter. This isn't about being intentional. God already knows what you want. What if I could be the blessing in the world? What if I could get out of the way? What if instead of intention, what if I just do a thing? What if I just engage? Because as it turns out, the answers are God's job. What if I just engage? Once again, Jesus was pro-engagement. The beginning of the gospel according to John. The word became flesh and walked among us. 
in one of my favorite Bible translations. It's called The Message. It says, the word became flesh and went out into the neighborhood. I like that. Yeah, so does Bailey. The word became flesh and went out into the neighborhood. She lied. It's good. It speaks to me too. And in fact, that little passage I found when we were trying to figure out how this church was going to go. And it colored a lot of things and continues to color a lot of things about the way that we behave. Because Jesus was big on the idea that everybody's a neighbor. In a circle where every point is the center, then the circumference is infinite. Everybody is allowed in. That's kind of how we do things. And we know that's how Jesus did things. Everybody's in. Jesus never said, I have the answers and you must come to me. And for five easy payments and a secret handshake, and if you wear the special hat and the special necklace, you get to know the truth of the universe. No. Everybody's in. And in fact, he went out into the world. The word became flesh and went out into the neighborhood. Jesus made house calls. You know? Going out instead of having people come in. Can you do that? Or do you need people to be on your turf? Think about it. When you build a church, there's two words that come up of the word attractional and the word missional. There are attractional churches where they talk about, i got to get people to come in. I want to be attractive to as many people as possible. And they do things and they have events and stuff that are designed to just get people in the door. And the goal is people in seats. I almost said a different word instead of people. I'm not going to say that word. People in seats. And I get that. I mean, if you want to change the world, you need a lot of people. But, you know, the goal of McDonald's is people in seats. And I'm not sure anybody's getting fed. People have all kinds of different things going on. And I say, you know, what if we just realize that there's a lot of places you can go to see a show. There's a lot of places you can go to get food. There's a lot of places you can go to get a lot of things. What if we just had this one place that was just dedicated to something you can't get anywhere else? If you live in an attractional way, in other words, hey, look at me. That's the kind of popular you don't want anymore. The other word is missional. And as you can imagine from the word, it means going out into the world. And that's kind of how we do things around here. For example, we'll probably never have a soup kitchen. Because it's not what we're equipped for. But we serve in them. We go all the time and we will go again. We go out into the world. And I'm not going to make you listen to me talk about the Lord before you get a sandwich. Here's a sandwich. Because they will know you're God's children, not by your doctrine, but by your love. And I tell you that because I'm proud of our church. But I'm telling you that because you're the church. I want you to think about, can you be missional in your life. Can it be a situation where it's not about people validating where you are, but rather about you saying, you know what, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? What can I do to make the world a better place? And not, not I know what to do, but rather what can I do? Do you see the difference? In a universe where God is everywhere, it means that life is not a zero-sum game. I don't have to have somebody else fail so that I can succeed. If you want to succeed, you want to know the secret? You must pray for the success of others. If you want to succeed, you must pray for the success of others. You must work for the success of others. You know why? Because we're all in this together. You know why? Because your thoughts of scarcity only bring more scarcity, and nobody needs that. Your thoughts of help, of service, of getting out of the way, of we're all in this together, make this happen. God is good. You are good. Go do something good go act in terms of faith because that's how faith works go act in terms of faith because that's how the world get changed go act in terms of faith because that's what you've got in you 
You are made in love and made out of love. It's time for the world to see that love. No more intention. The time has come for action. It's time to get all of that free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. So as we dig in, one of the things that I took away from what was going on was it's a very different idea that all the good and all the life and all the love is right there that we have access to it. Like fish in water, mm-hmm. right? Well, and that's that's a huge It concept, is huge. And it's but, so often missed. Right. And we don't usually think that way. We think we have to get it. Mm-hmm. And I think of, of everything whatever. that went on on Sunday, that was my aha moment. I always have something that kind of clicks with me. I'm like, all right. I can be better in this area. I can do this better. I can I can focus more. You know, I can mm-hmm. I can grab that piece. And yeah. so that's what stuck with me this Sunday was just acknowledging that it's already there. It's 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 around you. It you don't have to go and get it. But I think we get confused, if I may, between the idea of that we have work to do, we have things in us to do, the desires of our hearts, the the stuff that we are happy about doing, and maybe the stuff that we aren't so happy about doing. I mean, I'm not happy about cleaning toilets or cleaning out the <laughs> fridge, but I do it because, you know, we get sick otherwise, and sure. and it's gross. Yeah. So, so it's not a favorite thing, but there is a reason to it. There is a logic behind it. But I think that we get confused between doing that stuff and thinking that we have to go and get we have to go and acquire and and that it is ours to do and i i am guilty of it i slip into that mode so easily by the sweat sure. of my brow and the strength of my back i slip into that well, so it's easily well part of the reason is because you are an exceptionally strong person and i think that there is a good bit in your past and in mine too where we had to fight for some stuff and I wouldn't change that. I think that it's it's a wonderful victory story. But I think that it's also easy to to decide that everything has to happen that way. I slip into that too. One of the things that I slip into too is, you know, working the day job. I've got, you know, I want to be a minister full time. So one of the commandments is thou shalt not hate thy job. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things I was talking about with the Cinderella thing is you have to do what you're doing with love because all of the elements are there. One of the things that I really wanted to bring out is that idea that what if there's no more good or God or truth or love than there is right now? Because the truth is the fullness there's not. of God it's, is it's, it. Yeah, right. it's, it's there. But it, what it made me think of as I was writing my talk, I was thinking of, you know, when I was really into watching those survival shows and bless uh-huh. your heart, you put up with me watching. Oh, I'll, I'll watch a Les Stroud yeah. with you. I'll Let, watch a Survivor well, Man Cody Lundeen is my homeboy. You know, one of those things. But... <laughs> There's that moment, especially Cody Lundin. He was one of my favorites. I've read all of his books. He's a really interesting guy. He's the one that walks around barefoot in the mm-hmm. woods. Kind of guy. You know, I know he's him. Not, I know him well. His method of being out in the wilderness is not everybody needs a gun because the bad guys are out there, but rather about getting in touch with nature and making do with less. And so there's a beauty there. But anyway, for Cody, there's always this moment where nobody else can make a fire, and he's got to gather the materials and. 
the idea is all of the elements of fire are right there. But mm-hmm. you have to do a thing about it. And sometimes it really requires a, a level of care where you got your tinder and you have to cradle and you blow into it and you keep it away from too much wind and there's a balance. And, and this wonderful thing that happens when all of a sudden that spark becomes a flame that sustains you, that keeps you warm and alive and all that. All the elements are there, but it requires some action on your part to actualize it, to see it. One of the things I was talking about with a friend today is is a common theme. People talk about expect a miracle. But the thing is, the attitude of expectancy is an attitude of distance. Mm -hmm. The attitude of expectancy is it's going to happen sometime, any minute now. That's not the way this works. God's already here. So the actually the attitude of expect a miracle can actually get you into some trouble. Right. The word should be accept a miracle. Yeah, accept, accept it. Accept the fact right. that God is here, that the fullness of this is here. You've got so much to do. It's not about sitting still, but you can't do it unless you got all the parts. It's like IKEA. You got it you you assemble you open the box and you lay out all the Allen wrenches and nuts and stuff. And then you can start building. Because you can't build that stuff without an Allen wrench. You can't. You can't do it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? And right. that's that's how this works. And so I, I really want us as a culture, as a church family, you and me as, as a, a couple of householders and, and partners in this journey in life, to always remember not to be expectant, but to be acceptant, accepting, even though it's not a word. Right. <laughs> accepting and realizing that I don't have to brute force this yes i have things to do yeah yes there are things in front of me that you know mundane things and the desires of my heart that are required for me to live on this planet sure. so there you go gotta brush my teeth you know all that good stuff gotta eat food um which i don't mind so much i don't no. mind the f- no, food eating part around that's, you that's, girl there's that's, you know that's okay but um but this day dot life right <laughs> but i um yeah, I, I, it's a nice, it's, it was a nice remembering. I, yeah. I love that. But one of the things that you brought up, and I'll go quick on this, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, you talked about boldness and courage. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess my question is, is for people out there and, and for myself to a certain extent, what's the balance between being bold and courageous and the practical application. Like for example in finances. Okay. Yes, we know that there we are we're surrounded by all the good and prosperity that will ever be. It has to be that way. God's done. Okay. Got that part of this. But what's the balance between, well, you know, I'm going to go out and spend this Quit money my day job and, and I'm going to go this and I'm, yeah. you know, and and all of that. I mean, because that doesn't make sense. So I'm wondering if you have something along those lines for, you know, the folks listening, that practical application of, all right, you know, what do I do about this if I, I got to pay my bills? Sure. You know? Well, I think that actually going back to those survival books, one of the things that they always say uh, is you have to step up into the lifeboat. In other words, is the thing you're doing legitimately a step up? Does it take you closer to a place of trust? Does it take you closer to a place of being able to move forward with your life? Or is it just that you're, you're putting your source in a different place? Are you just saying, uh, you know, uh, you're thumbing your nose at the job because it makes you feel less than? Well, or are you being reckless? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's, that that's a part of it. And neither one of those is particularly helpful. You know you're done with the situation 
you know you have the permission to move on when you can honestly say you've done your best by it because that means you've learned what you need to learn you've taught what you need to teach and you therefore have your walking papers mm. so in terms of maxing out your credit cards well god doesn't operate according to debt right sure. there's nothing wrong with having a credit card i'm not saying that but what i am saying is that's not the answer to anything your visa card is a tool it's not the source and so part of the thing is can you really say i'm looking at this moment as a channel for good in the world or is it that i'm gonna get the rush of buying a bunch of crazy stuff at cartier or whatever and it's just it's a drug you know what so I mean? I think, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think the maybe the answer is if if you need to be bold and you need to be courage, courageous and you take that step into maybe, I don't know, financing a dream uh-huh. that, that you had or or maybe going into business for yourself or taking taking that leap of faith. I think that you're right. I think it has to be, is this getting me to a place where I am stepping up into something instead of pulling me or pulling my family down? Right. And so I think rec- I think there's a difference between boldness and recklessness. And yeah. I think I think it's an important distinct it, distinction. It has to do with trust. But part of it too is if you were a millionaire you would believe in yourself, invest in yourself, even if there wasn't an immediate return on the investment. Mm-hmm. You would you would follow up. You would you would pay for your dreams. If you were a millionaire, you would step out on faith because you have a relationship with Source. You know it's handled. But if you're a millionaire, you don't max out your credit cards. Right. Right. So there's this level of am if I investing in the idea of debt, mm. am I quitting my job because I want to hurt? in the way that I have felt hurt by the fact that I got to do this thing I don't want to do. Is it revenge? Because if you were a millionaire, let's, you know, it doesn't even have to be about money. That's just the easy term. If you were unlimited, let's say, there's no room for revenge. There's no room for hurt. There's no balance sheet at all because there's just infinity, right? So that will begin to color what you want to do. And I think as far as acting in boldness, it has to be connected with a sense of calling. Ah. That makes sense. In other words, is this really what my heart is telling me or is it that, you know, my ego wants to do this thing? Is there a low-level gratification that's that's wrapped up in this thing that I want to do? Or is it really that I'm stepping up into the lifeboat? Is it really my heart's calling? And so just like I said in the talk, there are some people that maybe they don't have the whole picture, but they know certain things that they want to do. You must follow those things reasonably, responsibly, with honor. But you must follow those things. Mm-hmm. You must make time to do those things. You must move things around in order to do that. The universe is calling you to do it. You must also be open to the idea that it's going to unfold in a way that you don't expect. But that's okay too. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people who don't necessarily know what it's going to look like. And that's the Cinderella moment of just do what you do because God put it there for a reason. Do what you do. If you don't know what you're supposed to do next, it probably means you haven't learned the thing you need to learn yet. Right? So, so – Look at your situation with an attitude of service, with an attitude of honor, with an attitude of, all right, all right, I'm, I really want to be done with this. So by golly, I'm going to learn what I need to learn so I can get to the other side of it. There's health in that. Instead of this is a waste of time, I'm going to go through it with my headphones on so that I don't have to listen because it's going to, it's not going to touch my self-esteem. Well, that's a low self-esteem attitude, mm-hmm. right? So if the idea is, you know what, I don't understand why I'm doing this job. I don't understand why... There's always dishes. 
I don't understand why I have to talk to this person, whatever it is. It's not for you to understand. The truth is they're there. The dishes are there. The job is there. If you don't know why it's there, then you haven't learned the thing yet. So look at it. Look it in the eye and go, okay, what? <laughs> it's okay to even be a little bit exasperated. What? Okay. I get it. You're a teacher to me. So teach. I'm here. Eyes open, ears open, heart open. I'm here so that we can get to the other side of this. You may find out that that bad guy, that adversary, ain't so bad. This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship or a, or a beautiful way of doing a thing. For instance, this is a small example. I love doing the dishes. I love doing the dishes. I love doing laundry. Yeah. When I was a kid, I sure didn't. I was forced to, and I begrudgingly did it. And it wasn't until, you know, I was an adult and I started doing my own dishes in my own sink after enjoying a meal that the most amazing woman, the most amazing partner, the most amazing cook in the world made for me. Ah, sure, that adds on. to it. Ah, go on. But you know what I mean? It's, no, really, go on. Anyway, you're awesome. <laughs> but uh, but you know what I mean? The, so I, that is part of it. But part of it, too, is just, just the grown-up mind doesn't resent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think the bottom line for this last talk in the series is we need people to do what is in front of them, go and do the good works, go and find their bliss, learn the lessons that they do. Because if you find that, you make the world a better place because you're a better person for it. And if you're a better person, everybody that you touch will want what's going on with you and they'll start asking questions. And it really is something that just travels. And and the more people that would be following their hearts, the better this planet Earth is going to be. That's right. This is the part of our show called Check It Out, and this is where you can find out all of the amazing things that we are doing, all of the uh, incredible service projects and lesson opportunities and sharing opportunities and everything else that we're doing. Absolutely. So I want to first talk about, obviously, our website, and you've heard us talk about it so much, and that's waterandstonechurch.com. You can find all the places that we gather. You can find out about our men's group, our women's group. You can find out about our sunrise walks, our sunset celebrations. There's tons. You can also find out what series is coming up on Sunday mornings. It really is kind of a catch-all thing. Yeah. So head over to waterandstonechurch.com for all of that information. And one of the things I want to highlight about the website this time around is if you go to the calendar page, and there's links all over the site to the calendar page, but the easiest way is to scroll to the bottom of any page and one of the links says calendar. You can find out about the series that we're doing. It gives a little write-up of what the series is, what the lesson is, but also, as you know, everything we do is based in Scripture. So you can get chapter and verse so you know exactly what I'm going to be talking about and study along with me. It'll color the questions that you have. So look at that calendar. And also, if you scroll down to the bottom of any page of the website, you will find links to all of our social media accounts, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and so on. And there's amazing things going on on the Water and Stone Church uh, YouTube channel. But I also want to highlight there's another channel for Jenny's show this day. And you know that if you're listening to the podcast, you're already a super fan of the show. 
I love the ministry that it is. I love the lives that it changes. I love everything about it. I also love getting to eat the food because I live in the house with the star of the show. I do practice on you a lot, <laughs> I have to say. Boy, oh boy, our men's group, because I get to take things, because you often film on Tuesdays when we have our men's group. They are, they're still talking about the dessert you made the other day. But anyway, go to, uh, go to the This Day channel as well. It's going to blow your mind. I want to let you know about our messaging system. And if you text the word, I am ready, all one word, I-A-M-R-E-A-D-Y to 84576, you're going to be hooked into our messaging system. It is a really nice way to get our newsletter, to get little information. You can sign up for different groups. Like if you're interested in knowing about what the welcome group is up to or, or the street team or any of that, it is a beautiful way to stay connected with us. So start doing that today. Again, I am ready. Eight, four, five, seven, six. But the most important thing I want you to know about is our Sunday morning celebrations. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. at USF St. Pete's beautiful Harbor Hall. The street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth. Every Sunday at 11, we do an amazing service. The music is incredible. The the sharing, the family that we have there is incredible. I'm really proud of the lessons that I do. It's a piece of my my heart and I'm just so happy for the ways in which we are changing the world together. You gotta come be there with us. This podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios on the comfy orange couch. And the black belt ninja master of Pinfeather is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She edits these podcasts. She does so many things, and she is one half of the music that you hear. The other half is the lovely and talented, and he is both of those things, Miles Randolph. This podcast is solely supported by you. And that means all kinds of things. You can go to the website. There's a link that says support. You can support us in so many ways. You can shop at Amazon in a way that benefits the church. You can write us a five-star review on iTunes, and that helps spread the word. You can tell somebody about it by sharing or liking or retweeting and all of the stuff that you know how to do. I'm counting on you to do it. But the most important thing that you can do is show up. Be there with us for one of our sunsets or one of our sunrise walks. Be there for one of our amazing service projects. we got a great one coming up. But most of all, be there on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. i got to tell you, for the upcoming month of August, we're really going to challenge people. I'm challenging you right now to be there every Sunday. I'm challenging you right now to invite one friend. If you invite one friend every month, it's going to be incredible for us. Let's start this now. Be there on a Sunday at 11 o'clock. Spread the word about it because this is how we change the world by changing your life.